0: we can all listen to the sunny side of sports great show bro this is sunny side of sports right here on the voice of america voice of america
1: sporty greetings to all our voice of america listeners this is VOA sunny young in washington Welcome to the July 12th edition of the Sunday Side of Sports. Quarterfinal action kicks off Wednesday at the Africa Women's Cup of Nations football tournament in Morocco. Morocco will host Botswana in the capital, Rabat, and Zambia will play Senegal in Casablanca. On Thursday, South Africa will take on Tunisia in Rabat and Cameroon will play defending champion Nigeria in Casablanca. The winners of the four quarterfinal matches in Morocco will qualify for the 2023 Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. The Super Falcons of Nigeria are bidding for a record-extending 10th African title in Morocco. They began group play with a 2-1 loss to South Africa, but then came back to beat Botswana 2-0 and Burundi 4-0. To help evaluate Nigeria's performance so far, Iron Mike Mbonye called Rabat, where he reached the former Super Falcons media officer, Jennifer Okoye.
2: Well, if you ask me, uh, looking at the Super Falcons, of course, when this competition started, a lot of people had actually lost hope on the Super uh, Falcons of Nigeria. But from what they have done in their two uh, remaining match group uh, stage of this competition, I would say that uh, I am very impressed. I'm very, very impressed with what has happened. They seem to be well-coordinated eventually, and uh, everything seems to be working out for them. But uh, it's not all done and dusted, because uh, this is just uh, the beginning of the real competition, kick-starting for for Super Falcons. They are not dominating anymore. It's no longer uh, business as usual. They have won the trophy for nine times, and they are seeking to make it ten. But all that countries are not um, sleeping because they are going to do everything that is possible. Make sure they come up tops in this competition. So let's see how it goes.
3: The pairings for the quarterfinals of the Women's Africa Cup of Nations shows that Nigeria will meet Cameroon. Do you think the Super Falcons will prevail?
2: Meeting Cameroon uh, in the quarterfinals, it's going to be a tough match, honestly. Um, the Super Falcons, I remember uh, speaking with two of the players. I spoke with uh U- Kanu. She said that they are going to put everything in place to make sure they come out of that game uh, uh, victorious. But also, the Cameroonians are not resting because you know that uh, the Fa- Super Falcons actually denied them of the trophy i think about two years ago and they would do everything that is possible to make sure that they avenge uh what happened to them so what i would say is that the Shiba falcons of nigeria they need to be alert I think that is all done and dusted said because of the fact that you win you won your to a group stage uh, game and then you think that all is done and dusted for you guys no not at all that is uh actually the beginning of the competition if you ask me from what I'm seeing I think this is the time that they would actually put in everything that they've got in this uh uh, uh 2022 uh Wafcon and then tell everyone that they are here to stay, and they are not just uh, nine-time champions for uh, just lip sake but for the real deal of the competition.
3: What's your assessment of debutant teams in the Women's Africa Cup of Nations, like Togo, Botswana, and Burundi?
2: For me, this competition, <laughs> um, for the debutants, uh, Togo, Botswana, and Burundi, one thing i would say is that burundi actually surprised me in their first game against uh, Botswana. when they won that game i was expecting that um, they were going to be so tough for the super falcons in that in that uh, third game for the super falcons but unfortunately you saw what happened uh, that that game ended four goals to nothing in favor of uh, the super falcons of nigeria well for me i would say that uh, burundi to some extent have actually shown that they've got what it takes. Uh, but unfortunately, they couldn't really cement what they started. Botswana, Togo, hmm? well, uh, they are debutants and... the. Uh... Sometimes for debitants, it doesn't actually work out so well for them. Uh, but I would say that uh, this is a good start for uh, the, uh, both countries. It's no longer as business as usual for uh, countries that think that uh, the dominance has actually been there for them. For instance, the Super Falcons of Nigeria, I've said it before, again, is no longer business as usual because what they have achieved in the past, uh, uh, I mean, the past nine times they have won the trophy is no longer the business as usual now all the countries seem to have stepped up morocco is doing so well yeah if you look at them very well and then it's not taken, they are going to do everything that is possible to make sure they leave the trophy at home and also cameroon cameroon will do everything they will do everything, they will put in their best to make sure that Nigeria do not uh, go home with the trophy this time around. So for the three countries um, that debuted uh, for, for this uh, uh, Women African Cup of Nations, Togo, Botswana, and Burundi, I would say that I will give it to Burundi. They really did so well, but unfortunately it didn't work out so well for them the way they started.
1: That's Jennifer Okoye, a former media officer of Nigeria's national women's football team. And she spoke with Iron Mike Bonye on the telephone from Rabat, Morocco. Rabat is also where the Confederation of African Football Awards Ceremony 2022 will be held on July 21st. The big award is the CAF African Player of the Year. Former Liverpool teammates Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah once again are vying for the trophy Mane won the award in 2019 and Sala in 2017 and 2018. The CAF awards were canceled in 2020 and 2021 because of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, Mane could have the edge for the 2022 award after leading Senegal to its first Africa Cup of Nations title, as well as World Cup qualification in Qatar. Two other Senegalese players, center-back Khalidou Koulibaly of Napoli and goalkeeper Edouard Mendy of Chelsea, also are among 10 players shortlisted for the CAF Player of the Year Award. The six others are 2016 African Player of the Year, Riyad Mahrez of Algeria and Manchester City, Carl Toko Ikambi of Cameroon and Lyon, Vincent Abubakar of Cameroon and al Nasser, Sebastian Haller of Ivory Coast and Borussia Dortmund. Nabi Keita of Guinea and Liverpool. And Ashraf Hakimi of Morocco and Paris Saint-Germain. Five other awards will also be handed out in Rabat on July 21st. After voting by captains and coaches of African national teams... CAF Technical Committee members and selected media. I'm Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the Sunny side of sports on the voice of America. Follow the Sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sports. Also, please note, we've moved our programs to VOAAfrica.com. There you'll find your favorite VOA TV and radio shows, including the sunny side of sports, and a whole lot more. Find us on VOAAfrica.com. This is the Voice of America.
4: Washington, D.C.
2: As British Prime Minister Boris Johnson prepares to leave office soon, what does his departure mean for UK-Africa relations? We'll also discuss US-Africa trade relations as political and business leaders from Africa and America prepare to meet in Morocco for the US-Africa Business Summit. Join me, Katie Adams, on the next Straight Talk Africa this Wednesday at 1830 UTC.
1: As the Africa Women's Cup of Nations football tournament takes place in Morocco, there's also action at the European Women's Football Championship in England. Host England routed Norway Monday 8-0 to become the first team to advance to the quarterfinals. Beth Mead had a hat trick for the English women, and she's now the tournament's leading scorer with four goals. The game was played at Falmer Stadium in Brighton and Hove, England, with a near-capacity crowd of 29,000 on hand. In another Group A result Monday, Austria defeated Northern Ireland 2-0, Austria now has one win and one loss, while debutant Northern Ireland with two losses has officially been eliminated. The Austria-Northern Ireland game was played in St. Mary's Stadium in Southampton, England, the home of the English Premier League club Southampton. The Saints of Southampton will play their first match in the 2022-2023 EPL season on August 6th when they visit Tottenham Hotspur. That same day, the newly promoted Cherries of AFC Bournemouth will host Aston Villa in the opening EPL match for those teams. VOA's Mike Hove recently had a chance to talk with Jordan Zamora, the 22-year-old left back for Bournemouth and Zimbabwe's national team. And Mike asked Jordan about his career in England and in Africa. Um, I feel like
5: it's been a very good, it was a very good season last year. And I think um, as a team, we really grew together and bonded as one. And if you see our changing room, we're all really close friends. And like, it was just, I guess some, some people may say destined, but like, I think we worked really hard in the preseason last year. And now we're just really excited to get going this season. Your career has progressed so, so quickly over the past couple of years. Um,
6: In August, you were actually the Player of the Month at Bournemouth. Uh, Congratulations on that. You scored so many goals as a left back. Congratulations on that. What are your thoughts on the analysts, on what people are saying about you and how your career has progressed?
5: Of course, it's flattering. It's nice to hear and stuff like that when people speak well of you. Of course, that's human nature. It's nice to be complimented. It's nice to know, like, what you're doing, you know, and the hard work that you're doing, people are seeing it as well. But I think, like, for, for, football is a very um, up-and-down sport. So, you know, like, as much as there was highs, there was obviously lows, like, from my injury to getting back, to getting back to my best as I could. And then, obviously, yeah, so, obviously, I thank, thank analysts for saying what they said and stuff like that, such as, like, the goal contributions that I've helped towards the team. And just all in general, really, it's been um, it's very nice to hear. And obviously, my mom always keeps me grounded. She always telling me, "Come on, it's the next one now."
6: Um, let's talk about your Afcon uh, appearance because that's arguably the most important appearance for the Warriors. Um, yeah. what was it like playing up against Africa's elite, Africa's best in Afcon?
5: Being able to perform at the biggest stage, at Afcon was just it was surreal for me because it's something I've watched from young. When I used to see the likes of Didier Drogba, you know, Yaya Toure players of those standards playing this tournament I actually think, wow, like these are African players that play in the Premier League and they're representing their country. Like it filled me with a sense of pride and sort of something from a young age. I've always thought, you know what, one day, like when I hopefully like, God willing like, I get there, I'm not, not gonna like look back on it and take my opportunity. And yeah, so performing that competition, Cameroon was a very beautiful country. Of course I didn't go to as planned as getting out of the group, but obviously winning against Guinea was a, was an amazing experience, I think that just showed the nation like what's to come showed like how good the young youngsters coming through are and stuff like that and obviously the old play, the older players there they helped lead us and stuff like that so yeah it was, it was surreal for me very surreal moment
6: you, you know there's so many players that are born in different countries and end up representing their countries where they live right so uh, yeah. you were born in England, why choose to represent Zimbabwe when you could easily you know work hard and and,
5: and play for England? It was always in the back of my mind, but I remember being 20 and I was just like, you know what, I want to I wanna play men's football. I want to play first team football. I hadn't been on loan or anything like that. I was training with the first team and I was like, this is, I've played a few games. I made my debut at Crystal Palace, played Man City. And then I was like, this is a great opportunity. This is something that, um, I can't. how can you say no to this? How can I say, nah, I'll give it a couple of years, see if I can get in? I wasn't going to do that. It was more or less the sense of, you know, my my grandma's there, my granddad's there, from my mum's side, my family there. Like types type Zamora. there's a few Zamoras in Zimbabwe, so it was a sense of like not pride to my family, but it was for me like just to show like my my siblings, my older siblings, my cousins, my you know like we were repping Zimbabwe, like this is my country. So it was it was an easy it was an easy choice for me when the opportunity came and obviously I spoke to the management team there at Zim. Zifa, they they were very like they were pushing me to come they wanted me to come and i felt that sense of like you know that sense of love that sense of listen we want you here And I mean that is a great moment for me to do that in my career i think without that i don't think i'll be where i am now so i think it was a great step up at the time
6: at 22 you're about to play in what is arguably the biggest football league in the world you're gonna rub shoulders with the biggest global icons on the football
5: field um, what can people expect from you in the 2022-23 season, man? You know, a young, hungry, a young, hungry man who's ready to take take on the world. Really, like I've, you know, I fear no one. You know, I'm ready to go and compete at the highest level, and also to learn. I think that's one of the biggest things. I think last season I learned a lot in the championship, and I can only thank obviously the manager and giving me that trust to play in that division. Because like I tell you, it's a tough, tough division. Of course, it's hard. Yeah, I learned a lot the physicality side of it. So, like, now, going into the EPR, I know, like you said, like, global icons, the likes of Ronaldo, Fernandes, and players like this, it's, it's amazing because, you know, I want to learn from them. I want to see how they play on the field. Of course, I want to compete and want it to want to win games, win matches, but I think the learning bit is going to be the best thing for me because that's how you improve. You can only improve by learning and, you know, working through, like, you know, tough times, you know, in games. And then, when you'll see when you're winning, Obviously, it's going to be a little bit harder this season, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to that aspect of it.
1: That's Bournemouth and Zimbabwe left back Jordan Zamura, And he spoke with VOA's Mike Hove via Zoom from Dorset in England.
3: Sporting greetings. This is William Trostokong from Watford Football Club and Nigeria Super Eagles. You're listening to the Sunny Side of Sports on The Voice of America.
1: The U.S. Women's National Soccer Team defeated host Mexico Monday night 1-0 at the CONCACAF Women's Championship. Midfielder Christy Mewis scored the game-winning goal in the 89th minute in Monterey, Mexico. The USA finished group play with the maximum nine points from three matches. The American women scored nine goals in group play, With zero goals allowed. The USA, Canada, Jamaica, and Costa Rica have advanced to the semifinals at the CONCACAF Women's Championship. And those four teams have also qualified for the 2023 Women's World Cup. And now those four teams will play for a berth to the 2024 Paris Olympics, which goes to the tournament's winner. The second- and third-place finishers will play off for CONCACAF's second- and final Olympic berth in September of next year. Taking a look at the semi-final matchups in the CONCACAF Women's Championship, the USA will play Costa Rica and Canada will face Jamaica. Meanwhile, Jamaica is sending 64 athletes to the World Athletics Championships, which begin Friday, July 15th, in the northwest U.S. city of Eugene, Oregon. Team Jamaica is made up of 34 female athletes and 30 male athletes. One of the male athletes is Hansel Parchment, the reigning Olympic champion in the men's 110 meters hurdles. Parshment will be bidding for his first world title in Eugene. The energetic Andy Edwards asked the Jamaican athlete what are some of the qualities that make a world class hurdler I, I think for, for hurdling it 's important to,
3: to, to be focused it 's important to to have that drive that mindset um, to be able to hold your composure because you know hurdling is something that you have to maintain rhythm. And you know sometimes you can hit a hurdle, you have to be able to to recover to come back from from um, a mistake um, but of course, physical as well, because when the hurdles are very high it 's good to have a height on your side, so um, you know I would look for somebody who I think would grow a little bit taller, uh, but I think um, yeah a good combination of the physical and and the mindset would would be good. I think anybody could really develop that so Um, I think the the physical would be the the, the most important part to look
7: for and then the mindset can develop afterwards. You know, a few years ago I was talking about this with uh, a British high hurdler, international, Nigel Walker. Um, And he said... We were looking at another uh, hurdler and I was asking him how, how far this particular athlete could go. And he said, well, the key thing, or a key thing is the, the the flexibility of the inside leg. It wasn't just looking at how tall the athlete was. I mean height can be good but that inside leg flexibility getting over the hurdles quickly was very important. Would you agree? I think I think it's important
3: but I still feel that you know the the, the height would be the most important factor. Of course, you know shorter guys could could also do it but Um, having this kind of height would be for me the first thing to look for because I believe the other things are able to to come afterwards we can work you can always um, work on flexibility you can always build up flexibility Uh, you can always build up mindset you can learn so much as you go along so uh, I think the only the most important thing to look for first is just the physical and everything else will come afterwards
7: just Finally, just staying in a way in that area um, uh, another journalist I thought was a great question about, asked about who would you like to meet in a race as a rival if you could pick from history um, now, just tell us what your reply was because I found it fascinating um, I, I, I spoke about Colin
3: Jackson, Alan Johnson and Zhang. you know I, I thought I think those guys were were awesome um, back in the day and the most important part is that I could learn quite a bit from them, you know, because these guys were like racing to the first hurdle, you know. Um, you know, they always talk about how important it is as a hurdler to get to the, the first hurdle first because you know most times the race is decided at the first hurdle that has not been the case for me over the years I've always been last from the blocks and, and then charging towards the end trying to catch up to the guys so I feel from those guys I could learn quite a bit you know, in terms of executing the technique and, and be able to race to the first hurdle and still have the drive to finish strong at the end as well
1: That's Hansel Parchment, the reigning Olympic champion in the men's 110 meters hurdles. He'll be competing at the upcoming World Athletics Championships in Eugene, Oregon. And Hansel spoke with the energetic Andy Edwards in Birmingham, England. Hi, my name is Julius Diego, former world javelin champion and Olympic silver medalist
6: and you are listening to the Sony side of sports on the Voice of America.
1: Julius Yego will captain Team Kenya at the World Athletics Championships in the USA. Yego told Kenya's The Daily Nation newspaper, the team is a blend of youth and experience. Yego says the younger Kenyan athletes want to emulate the country's previous world champions. And he adds he sees great hope for the Kenyan men in both the 5,000 meters and 10,000 meters races. Meanwhile, Olympic champion Paris Jepcherchir of Kenya will not compete in the women's marathon in Oregon because of pain in her hip. The Daily Nation quotes Jep Chirchir saying, I'm so disappointed, but I would rather not aggravate the injury since we still have another world event next year before my Olympic title defense. Elsewhere, Burundi's Olympic silver medalist in the women's 800 meters, Francine Niansaba, has withdrawn from the world championships in Eugene because of injury. Nian Saba wrote on Instagram that she was diagnosed with, in her words, the beginning of a stress fracture last month. And Nian Saba adds, I'm almost okay, but I'm not in the shape that can allow me to perform the way I wanted. Francine Nian Saba was planning to compete in both the 5,000 meters and 10,000 meters races. In Eugene.
4: I'm Kendra Harrison. I'm the 100 hurdle world record holder for Team USA. And you're listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel, host of Press Conference USA, VOA's newsmaker interview program. Join us each Saturday and Sunday when we talk with authors, analysts, and policymakers who provide fresh insight on topics ranging from U.S. politics and foreign policy to science, culture, and global health. You can listen to Press Conference USA on the radio or online at voanews.com slash PCUSA. While you're visiting our website, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love to hear from you. Just send an email to PCUSA at VOANews.com or connect with us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash v o a or on Twitter at v o a. That's Press Conference USA every Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America.
6: Hi, guys. I'm Ferdinand Omanyala, the fastest man in Africa, African 100-meter record holder. And now you're listening to Sunny's Side of Sports on The Voice of America.
1: Ferdinand Omanyala will be competing for Team Kenya at the upcoming World Athletics Championships in Eugene, Oregon. And I know Team Kenya's captain Julius Yego has high hopes for Omanyala winning a medal in Eugene. Here's a fun fact about Ferdinand Omanyala. He's only the third Kenyan to ever qualify in the men's 100 meters for the World Athletics Championships. He follows in the footsteps of Kennedy Omdiak, who competed at the 1991 World Championships in Tokyo, and Mark Otieno, who competed at the 2017 World Championships in London. Turning to tennis, on Monday's show, Tunisian star Anz Jabur commented on the cool composure of Kazakhstan's Elena Rabakina in winning the women's singles final at Wimbledon. Jaber lost to Rabakina in three sets. The final score from Wimbledon, 3-6, 6-2, six, six, and 6-2. Well, if Rebakina kept her cool on center court in the women's final, you could say Nick Kyrgios lost his cool as well as the Wimbledon men's final to defending champion Novak
0: Djokovic. The AP's Ed Donahue reports. Nick Kyrgios lost in the Wimbledon men's final, but he also lost his cool during the match. On his way to the final, the 40th-ranked tennis player played at a level well above his rank, but he allowed little things to bother him. Kyrgios spat in the direction of a heckling spectator. He cursed at another spectator. In the final, Kyrgios went to the chair umpire.
7: She's drunk out of him in the first row speaking. It's acceptable.
0: Nothing is acceptable. Okay, so her out. The umpire asked Curios to point out the heckler. I know exactly which one it is. So tell me, it's the one in the, the, the dress with the the, the one that looks
4: like
7: she's had about seven hundred drinks, bro.
0: A reporter said he had spoken to the woman who said she only had two drinks and was not heckling. She was cheering on Curios. That doesn't make it okay to start talking to Nick Curios, who's playing a final of Wimbledon. Middle of the point. Why are you trying to make that okay? Curio says he found the past two weeks at Wimbledon stressful. I'm Ed Donahue.
1: And that wraps up the July 12th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. I get it. And that's the sunny side of sport.